Hey there, restaurant pros, it's Dave Scott Peters and welcome to episode 14 of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003 and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom from your restaurant and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Today's topic tells the story of one couple's journey from doing everything possible to make their business survive to being able to truly take on the role of owners and lead their business and team to success. I know you will find this story inspiring. Now, I want to tell you about our guests today. Brianna and Jonathan Cowan, owners of The Wooden Paddle in Lamont, Illinois. I first met them at the Florida Restaurant Show over a decade ago, and they made a decision to get on an airplane to attend one of my four-day workshops in Las Vegas just a week later. At that time, their business really needed to grow. Fast forward to March of 2020, when we reconnected at CaterSource days before COVID-19 business restrictions shut down their dining room and catering events. They made a big decision to use this newfound time to work on their business. Listen in on our conversation as they share with us their incredible journey of taking their passion for hospitality and turning it into a thriving business. What's really exciting about their journey is they will tell you how they have gone from working hard in their business, often on the line, to today, where they have a quality GM, systems in place, and are able to spend 24 hours a week working in high-level strategic planning, catapulting their business forward. I want to welcome Brianna and Jonathan to the show today. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is being brought to you by The Catering Coach. If you are a restaurant owner, now more than ever, you need catering as a profitable, proven, multiple revenue stream. But right now, who has the time to establish all the checklists, systems, packing lists, and proven methods to grow your catering business? And who are your catering customers when there are very few catering events? You need The Catering Coach. Sandy Corum, the catering coach, and her team will show you the path to immediate catering profits by taking out all the guesswork of what works right now in this ever-changing world. Catering is not what it was last year, but catering is still profits, profits, profits. Learn the systems, learn the checklists, learn the out-of-the-box methods that successful restaurateurs are using right now to be catering profitable. Just visit thecateringcoach.com forward slash DSP. I want to welcome Brianna and Jonathan Cowan, owners of The Wooden Paddle. And I am so excited to have you guys because you have done some incredible things during a pandemic. And I don't want to give it all away, but we've known each other for a long time, but really only recently started working together. So whoever wants to start, tell us a little bit about your restaurant and, and kind of your background. Sure. So yeah, we have a, a restaurant in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, and um, we do shareable dishes, wood-fired pizza, craft cocktails, um, beer and wine. And another part of our business is we uh, cater a lot of event, uh, weddings and things like that with our mobile uh, pizza ovens. We go all over Chicagoland with those and uh, do fun wedding events with people. So um, a little bit of background on us is... Uh, We've actually been dating since we were uh, juniors in high school, and uh, we didn't. We I, I moved out of my hometown at 20, body kind of struggling 
carryout and delivery pizzeria. Brandon and I got married two years after that, and we tried to make a go of it in business together during that time. About a year after we got married, we uh, that's when we first met you, David, um, actually in Orlando at a food show, and we loved your speech, so <laughs> what you said um, during a little seminar so much, so we figured out a way a week later to get on a plane to go um, go to your soup to nuts seminar in Las Vegas. Um, and we actually signed up for something back then. Um, and our business was in such bad shape at that point <laughs> where the, uh, somebody within your company told us, you know, it might not be, it might not be the best thing you're doing. You're, you're kind of a hobbyist right now. You're not making any money and it might be dangerous even keeping this thing open. And at the, from there, um, we kind of like started looking at going in a different direction. And uh, so we stopped doing the carryout and delivery pizzeria, um, Chicago style pizzeria, and we kind of started moving in a more artisan direction, higher heat ovens, um, going kind of more higher end with our pizzeria at that point. And that's where our kind of wooden paddle journey started in 2013. Um, and we bought our first mobile wood burning oven for the wedding services in 2014 and it just kind of grew where we bought a building in 2017 to kind of ha to have dining area now we have 66 um seats at our restaurant in lamont illinois and now we're in 2021 here we are so again so we've known each other for over a decade for all intents yeah. and purposes you see me speak at a food show in Orlando and learn that I've got a workshop a week later. In fact, I think you might even want to see it if I remember correctly. And true. You, you make your way to Vegas, just some guy you saw give an hour speech. And what did it mean to open up your eyes to what systems can do? As well as it was my old business partner that you, later you meet with and goes, Hey man, you're not doing enough to really call this a business. It's a hobby. You didn't give up. You instead kind of went forward. How, what was that like? One, discovering there was so much more to learn, but the other is to have somebody look at you on a professional level and go, what are you doing? I mean, I think uh, it was interesting. I remember the people that we sat next to. They were a um, just a Mexican concept, um, obviously high-end, like tequila bar. And I remember them just saying, oh, yeah, we have 800 different types of tequila. Got a train going by. Hold on one second. Yeah. Let that train go by. <laughs> so, okay, go ahead. Um, and I remember just looking at John and saying, like, even if that tequila was ten dollars a bottle, like that. I mean, Which it we just know blew now up. It's not, it's not <laughs> yeah. but it kind of blew our mind that like restaurants like that existed. Just the sales that people were doing and the teams that people had brought, and like I knew it existed on some level, but um, it was interesting interacting with those people like actually seeing successful people and what the problems they were dealing with and our problems were so like low level compared to what they were they were dealing with but i also think when we heard you know that about the sales it was it was eye-opening but it wasn't something that um really got us down it was more just okay like we need to just get better at what we're doing and we have a lot to learn and um yeah, so it really, it wasn't some like big epiphany for us, but it was like, we can do better than this and we should be doing better than this. And um, we have a lot to learn. So that's the good news. Like we're not already doing a bunch of things and unsuccessful. <laughs> we knew there was a lot to, a lot to learn. Um, and so, yeah, so we took that book home and we kind of were like, 
in, implementing parts of it and trying to do different systems and um, just piecemealing it on our own. And it definitely, it definitely helped us even on that level. So I think what, like for me, go ahead. really quick, the, the, as a poor, you know, student in high school and things like that, I, I started business after high school. I didn't go to college. I went to a semester of college and dropped out. But I, I was kind of disillusioned with schooling and education because of my experience. But, you know, going to your thing and seeing the information there, I was like, and Brianna, you know, speaking some wisdom to me, (laughs) that started in probably 2011, where we really truly, where my mindset changed is like, man, I need to start reading books. I obviously, I thought I was going to move out of my mom's house, open this business and crush it by, I, I tried to get a, in my first apartment after moving out of my mom's house to buying this business, I was like, I only want a three month lease on this apartment because I'm going to be buying a house because I'm a big business owner now. And then the being cut I down over the years, we lived there 10 years. Um, but just being, it was, it was just eye opening, <laughs> all of it. Well, it's kind of funny. When you look at it, you say, okay, uh, what's impressive is even as young as you guys were, and still are for all that matter compared to me you knew you needed to learn something, something different. And so if you sit there, you already have a distaste for education. It's a big deal to say, trust somebody, get on an airplane and go, is this gonna be worth it for our business? But the biggest thing that's amazing is a lot of people don't realize, especially those that know you, they look at you and your success and you're just an overnight 10 year success. You know, it was just overnight, 10 years of hard work and blood, sweat and tears and you know, all the things that go with that. So what were things like so we, I guess the story kind of goes full circle. You, it's 2011. Now, 2020, we meet up again as the pandemic is hitting the United States, March of 2020 at Cater Source. Like literally you attend my, my seminar I'm putting on just like we went all the way back to, to Florida restaurant show and you meet me at a book signing. Cause you know, you're up there and, and you re- and it was so long ago that you go, Hey, we've been to your workshop. I'm like, Oh shit. I don't remember. <laughs> so what was it that brought you to that show? What was it that said, okay, we need to reconnect now that we saw David again. What was going on in your life at that time? Because right then we didn't know how bad things were going to get with COVID yet. It was brand new, literally shutting down states a week later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's funny about that is we've talked about, we were, <laughs> we went to that show and we spent so much money going out to eat. Like we went out to like nice places every night and I was like, thank God we did that because everything shut down. Right after. <laughs> but but we, we went to that show. So we'd always been going to the Pizza Expo. We felt that was kind of like our network was limited there. Like pizzeria owners are all very much the same. We're kind of having the same problems. And we had gone to that show a lot. While it's still like good, we kind of wanted a show that was new and we could meet different people and um, just kind of like expand our horizons. So that's what brought us to Cater Source. We wanted to kind of get more into our catering side because we yeah. just kind of fell into success. But um we knew we could be more effective again. Like we already knew we could be better. We just didn't know how. Um, and then I, th- I think it was because we went to one of your seminar. We recognized your name and I went to your seminar there again. And you had mentioned the coaching. And so, you know, we, we bought your book. We talked to you a little bit and I was like, John, we really need like accountability. Like we, we, I think we know enough about what we're doing now, but we, 
we are our own bosses. That's like the best and worst thing. And, um, you know, we just are kind of, we kept like hitting a ceiling and there's a lot of group thing when you're married and you're like the top of the food chain. Um, so a lot of decisions were just kind of like, I don't know. We, we think the same too much. How are we going to, right? you know, make this decision? So, um, and then obviously COVID hit and we are very like, we are very decisive people. So we're just like, screw it. Like now's the time. Like <laughs> we don't have any dine-in. We don't have any like front of house to worry about. So let's take the, the time and like the effort that we were putting towards that to like, you know, so you, refra- you reframed a negative possibility situation, closing down your dining room. So I'm to say, this is our opportunity to make change. Like, yeah, I guess you, you probably said in the back of your brain, what we have time now. <laughs> so if there's any yeah. time to work on it, it's now. Yeah. It was like found time. So yeah, why not? I just think in times of like turbulence, that's, that's opportunity time. That's what I've always heard. So it's like, we could be scared and this and that. Who wasn't scared during that time? But yeah. we were like, we need to also figure out how we attack it and make this, make sure we make it through this. Who knew it was going to be this long in this yeah. 2021 now, but here we are. So other than, uh, so at this point, you'd been to my workshop, you had been to seminars, other seminars, you've been to other shows, you gathered information, you go home, make change, you take it from a hobby to a thriving business. I mean, your dining room was kicking ass, your catering was kicking ass, like you had already a good business. COVID hits, you go to Cater Source, catering goes away like a week later. Dining room shuts down. So what were some of the challenges that you first faced that you said, man, we've got to make a change? Because one of the things that I found, and you could tell me if, if I'm wrong, but when we lost those volumes, any mistakes we made got magnified, right? They were bigger than, like, because volumes could cure our ills. So what were some of those challenges you were facing at that time? I mean, our um, we found that our catering kind of floated our restaurant, and we were successful and felt like we had money in the bank because of those caterings and the restaurant just didn't really like hold its own weight um or it was kind of over bloated in different areas because any waste it doesn't matter food cost so is so good on these caterings and labor it doesn't really matter because we can do you know so much in sales on a catering and like with so little labor so having those taken away really magnified the fact that like the restaurant it's like, why even have this if it's going to be like operating like this and catering, you know, it's just tearing down essentially a good catering business. But um, obviously we were thankful because a lot of caterers don't have that. So we right. had a restaurant and um, so we really needed to, you know, figure that piece of it out. And we knew people have done it before. They figured it out. They have successful restaurants. Um, and if we could have both, obviously, why not? And that's the only thing we had the opportunity to focus on. So, um, Yeah. So we just kind of, kind of took that in. And so when we first started talking, one of the things that, that I can remember is you guys were still managing the store day to day and the catering. And if you were not in the building, it was not going to get done. You had some supervisors at best. Um, Mm -hmm. What was it like to sit there and say, oh my gosh, how are we going to implement all these new systems when there's no extra time? And oh, by the way, you were closed on Mondays. So you, that was the only day you could get a breather or get caught up and get staged for a big catering and so on and so forth. So what was time like for you? And quite possibly, what did finances look like? I mean, were we struggling? Were we doing well? Or were we, oh my gosh, COVID is, has us bleeding what we've built up? Um, I, I think 
I mean, finances, I felt like COVID was okay for us. It ended up transferring to takeout. Like we had a little dip, obviously, to start, um, but then it was okay. Sales kind of remained the same, maybe even a little better. Labor was a little better just by default. Like right. we didn't have a front of house to deal with. Um, but well, I, one, one thing I would say about COVID, it was very interesting. Like right away, the first in end of March and mid to most of April, it was really bad. You know, it was like, but then it was like, we had to work oh, on I things. Don't really we were, remember, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just I'm, remember, I was like, it was oh, that one Friday was good. Like, yeah. Like it was like wow when we opened up the location from to the building we bought from our old place. Right. We were known as a carryout place at our old place, and we were doing good food that's meant to be eaten straight out of the oven. So we had opened right. the new place, not even taking phone orders, not even having online ordering. It was literally you come in and you dine in. That was the new model. We wanted to have our customers' first experience in our new location like that, and so people. Yeah, that was a cute epiphany. That, that was cute. that it wasn't like we thought it was super cool to be open limited hours, dinner only, not on Mondays, can't touch us. Like you can barely get in. You, you can't even call. For we orders. wanted to be that, you know, what we learned in the pizza industry, like, oh, look at that cool niche pizzeria that's open but, four days a week for three hours. Day. Yeah. But you we know, realized that. that's a lot of like pretense. And it's more, <laughs> it's more just like, if you want to be trapped in your own business, go ahead and do that. Like, but it's not cute. And that, and our, our biggest thing, our biggest thing, um, is time. Like we want, we want time. And I don't know why we got into this business if that's what we want, but, um, yeah. And, and just then when COVID hit and our management structure, it, it's like, management structure in quotations it was a joke like we had people that were working hard on the line also being the manager like could barely pull out from the line to talk to anybody like it was a joke we just kind of like designated management um and then when we weren't there it was just kind of like heads in the sand like we wanted to take time away and spend time with our family and we did do that but we always kind of felt guilty because we didn't have those systems. So we didn't really know what was going on at the store. We were just hoping and praying that it was okay and just trying to relax when we weren't there. Um, well, irresponsible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so but, what were some of the first things that, that you put in place that kind of created that aha? Oh my gosh, we can make a change. You know, I, I know we, we, we've talked about, we've, you brought in a manager, but it was after making a selection of one and then trying another internally and going outside, COVID allowed that. But also you had budgets, you had numbers to work with, you were controlling cash, you had checklists. I mean, you did a lot of things. What were the first things that kind of went, hey, this is going to, this is taking traction for us and it's making a difference? I think probably the budget. Was I agree 100% with that. Was eye-opening because, um, I mean, honestly, we are like quintessential entrepreneurs. Like when we had a lot in the bank account, we were like, we're good. When we didn't have a lot, we're like, what's going on? Um, And just actually putting the budget, putting the numbers on paper was eye-opening. One, just because we saw some of our costs were out of control. But then two, we also saw, oh, like a like how we're currently paying people and what this person could do for us. Oh, we could afford a GM. We've been lying to ourselves constantly because we didn't have numbers in front of us. So having the budget kind of spoke into that and it was like, okay, it gave us a level of comfort, um, you know, to move forward with that. Well, specifically the budget program that you made, it was just really nice to move around is very easy to, 
you know, when we, when we talked about it, I was like, wow, this actually makes sense. And mm-hmm. that was really cool. And we're actually taking that into, you know, we've kind of sat back and really had, we've had more time, which is, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. since we did get a, a GM put in place where we've been sitting back and really just doing strategic planning on what are these next positions we need to do. The GM has been a light bulb. It's like, oh my gosh, we would never go without a GM ever again. That's yeah. a, ne- a necessity for our company. But now we're like, okay, well, how can we move around this budget to fit in this position? Like we, we're still working on getting a kitchen manager in place and somebody, a bar manager, you know, and just having that accountability of you're the one person that we question on this. This is your domain here, you know, like what's going yeah, like on? One hand to shake or one. Yeah. So, so for all intents and purposes, by bringing, by bringing that, the GM in having a budget, you could put your plan together to say, I can afford it. These are the changes I need to make to make it work. And now you have the help. And often I talk to people about the really one of the reasons why most restaurants fail. The number one reason I think is lack of leadership. And one of the things that I've watched you guys and like, like a proud papa is this major shift in being the managers really of your business to being the leader of your business, planning, looking at new marketing programs, looking at the growth of your business, looking at other locations, looking at like all of a sudden you've had time to sit back and lead the team, work on budgets, work on marketing, developing. What has that been like? And and is that really a lot of it because of one, having one person who can get shit done and working on the others, meaning the GM being your implementer? Is it that or is there more to it? I think having that implementer is just such a huge thing. Cause if I think about where we were last January compared to now, we had a nightmare scenario happen in December of 2019 where, you know, yeah. we just had a few of our back house team members leave right at the same time within weeks of each other. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, we have not been, pulled into management. Then we're actually pulled into like, we're on the we're line. On the line. Right. And yeah. We were working all the time and it was just like, Oh, well, let's close on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day because we're I don't want to work, yeah. you know, and it was just a really unhealthy place right there to this January where Brianna and I have been able to work at our office from our home office we built since hiring you and, and like literally we've been able to spend like this week we've spent about 24 hours of work time, just work time just together going through our strategic work. 24 hours is a lot of strategic work time. And mm-hmm. we're now seeing, wow, we got this much done on this plan for this year. We might be able to cross some of these things off before this year plan is over and add different strategic things to this plan. And with that, the exponential power of growth is its pretty amazing. I, I'm just kind of blown away with it after each workday right now where I'm like, we got this much done? Mm-hmm. That's, that's wild. So, so, so here's kind of thing. So are you... When you have somebody in there helping implementing, helping build your management team, working with one person instead of the five people or the 40 people yeah. because you had to be it, you're pulling yourself away from day to day. Is it running better with you or without you? Oh, absolutely better without us. If the, the numbers and the, the sales numbers are better and I'd say the percentages are better, you know, without I would us. say people are more engaged because... I like if I I was a an absolute tornado. Like if I was working a, a shift in the kitchen, all of a sudden I'm like, this isn't running efficient enough. And instead of just prepping for the day, I was trying to reorganize and thinking about kitchen layout and like just going down a rabbit hole. 
And um, I just realized, like, and the funny thing is, I think we both thought we were decent with systems. We understood the concept of systems. We understand our business needed them. We had built a few. And so we thought, we're systems people until we met Angela. And then I was like, I am not a systems person. Like, she's so much, she's so much better than than us. And I think, thankfully, I never had the thought that, like, I'm the best. I know I'm not the best. I know John's not the best. We're not the best. There are so many you know, other people that are much better than us. Um, So that, you know, if you have that mindset, that's kind of like, that's an issue. And I think a lot of what we, what was transformed this year was our mindset. It was, um, you know, just thinking we can do it. Just thinking like management can be in place constantly and we can control our labor. Um, We can look at a budget. It's not going to be completely fuzzy constantly. It'll be useful to us. All of those things were like little sh- subtle shifts that we had to make um, to kind of make a bigger Or like shift. one thing I liked working with you, David, is like just when you started talking to us about day parts, because we're still we're under that mentality of the pizzeria thing. And, uh, you know, we we're trying to keep it really small and keep the, the supply and demand thing. But you're like, dude, you have this location. You're not open for lunch on any of these days. You're not even open on Monday at all. What are you doing? <laughs> well, that was like just an easy thing, just implementing, expanding what we do, our offerings to our, and we're doing our, our, our neighbors a service by being open. It's like, I've had so many people since opening up our hours come and be like, man, Lamont has not had anything for lunch on Mondays for as long as we've lived here. Now we can just come and work here. And it's really helpful to people. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, dang, look at my, you know, it's nice to have somebody run things off of. Because we think a certain way, and it's hard to get out of our own way sometimes. Well, yeah, the, the most dangerous phrase in our business is that's what we've always done, right? And yeah. so I'm not stuck in your location and have the history. So I just look at things black and white. Trust me, if I invited you to my business, you go, David, why do you do that? I'd go, oh, it's the way I've always done it, right? It's always easier to look into somebody else's business. However, you had to make that mental shift, a culture change in your business to say, hey, we can do more because Oh my gosh, if I remember correctly, one of the challenges to do that for you was going, well, how are we going to manage that? Right? Because you didn't have any more time. You didn't have help. Like it was scary. But once you have the right people in place, it's what people don't understand. By giving up more of the tasks, not control, but tasks, you can get more done. Increase your sales because that's lunch started six days a week, then it became seven days plus an evening shift and your labor costs are actually better, even though it's a struggle, man, you're in Illinois, like many States, the the governor shuts you down or makes different changes and it affects us in a big way. But let's pray here in the next few months, you know, we get COVID under control. What is it? What has life been like? What was, let's go backwards before I get there. What was an unexpected shift for your business? What, what came out of left field that you didn't expect that would have happened? I really think um, getting the kind of the caliber of GM that we did, I honestly, I don't know. I think we tried to bring people up. We tried to coach people. We're not good managers, so how are we going to coach good managers? I don't know. But um, like getting – our GM in, it was amazing to kind of see that that was like the, the one and only domino we should have been focusing on because that affected 
everything else. Like she was able to pinpoint other people and say, have you thought about this person as a leader? They're really good. Now she's training them up. Um, just making shifts immediately in the kitchen, people overall, the team being more engaged and strong. And, you know, I, I just like it. And it, what was funny kind of tying that back into like lunch was, well, if you open for lunch and you only do a thousand dollars every, or I'm sorry, open for Mondays, you only do a thousand dollars every Monday. And you didn't have that before. Does that kind of pay for your GM? At least like partially. I remember just making the connection and like, Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> why would we not open on Mondays? So it was a lot of like little things. And, and what did we do? We opened for Mondays, like the next week. We didn't have the staff for it, but we're like, let's just do Time it. Time to do it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember so, the conversation. Go print a banner. I mean, after we finished, like, go, oh yeah, I'm going to go print a banner. And once you put it out there, you got to be open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we were. So we're like, what the heck? Some of these numbers, and then we got to a point where around Christmas we had like a thirty-three hundred dollar Monday, and I'm like, "What? Yeah, this is, what? yeah we didn't. We, did we used to do zero that. on Mondays." Yeah. <laughs> so let yeah. me just ask you real quick: when we talk about Angela, your general manager, we tried, we tried to develop people from within, and we had our, we had some success, but mostly struggles. It just did not work, and ninety-nine percent of the time. You know me, I want you to hire from within because I know culture. But when you found Angela, she was your first candidate you interviewed, the very first. Mm -hmm. But how did you know she was the one? I, I know she had great experience. And because of COVID, for the first time, we had good people out there that we could find and she was moving back. But I, I kind of want to, what was that most important quality that just drew you together and said, she fits here? You know, I Honestly, think- I, I feel like, if we are good at anything uh, over the years, we are decently good at hiring, I would say. And we are good at kind of figuring out who people are in the interview. We don't take what they say for what they say. Um, one, one piece of the interview, and you can speak to it too, but one piece of the interview was she, <laughs> she said she has a business management degree. And she was like, yeah, I called my school and asked for a refund because I'm not using that stupid degree. And I was like, girl, <laughs> you are you are my people. <laughs> so because, I mean, we are just so much more about like experience. Like we, we neither of us went to college. Um, we're all about kind of like school of hard knocks. Like it's it's good to, you know, learn, learn that way. And that's mostly how she learned. I mean, she was in all of these different restaurants and she wasn't bringing her business management degree. She was bringing all of that experience and culturally she just fit us. Um, That's the thing I was someone, looking for. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was just like one of, one of our like core values um, we'd say is like just scrappiness, being resourceful with what you have. And she's like the ultimate, I would say like she, nothing gets in her way. Um, and we were able to kind of, like through the interview, just, just figure out that like, we're a match. I mean, we had a three hour dinner with her. Like if you're not a good candidate, you're not talking to us for three hours. Right. You know? It's right. just, so, it's also, we've never had a GM. It's scary giving up that control yes. of the whole company. And we, yeah. and our thing is like, we didn't want to handcuff somebody by saying like, yeah, you're GM, but I, you know, I'm going to be all over. Like we kind of like to let people do their jobs and things like that. So the gut feeling I know that I got in that interview was like, wow, I, I, you can just kind of tell sometimes it's like, what, well, like the cultural fit, just hearing the story she was telling about other experiences. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, that that's exactly what I want. And I'm glad that my gut was right. 
to yeah. this point, you know, but, and it's like been good. Well, one of the things that made it work is because we were putting systems in place, you didn't say just come in and fix my place. You said, these are the systems we're going to use. This is what yes. we're doing. Yeah. And that that's, mm -hmm. that's the key to making it work. Cause we've all hired managers in our day that come in with great experience, but talk a wonderful game and don't do it's another to say, Hey, you can do this. Are you going to use these systems? And man, she, she never says no. Like it's sure that's your way to do it. Well, I don't care. Yes, let's go. If it can help the business, so on and so forth. So you got to get catch, but it's really that where I was looking for is, man, when you bring somebody into your business like that, they had better be a culture fit. They better be the right person because we can train them on the systems. She's just, you got really, really lucky making that your first interview. I'll just say. Well, okay. Not only, not only our first interview, our only interview. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, well when you know, we but then, but then that was our big thing. We did the interview and we were like, do we need to do any other ones? Like if we, if she fits the bill, yeah. I well, mean, I think Brian out internal candidates. Yeah. I think Brian has a gift for like writing and things like that. And so like she writes all of our job descriptions and this and that, and we'd put something uh, like just a, a feeler kind of like job thing out there months before. And she had filled it out. And then she, we put it out again. We didn't contact anybody. And then we did it again a few months later. And she's like, she filled it out again. And she actually emailed and said, Hey, what's going on? Are you guys like, can I get in for an interview? She's the only person who emailed us. Mm -hmm. And we're like, Oh gosh, if you have the gumption to do that, let's well, interview her at least, you know? And then it's just interesting how things work out. We'll just say that much. And, and what's, what's interesting about that is, is like you said, you, you did it once, did it again. There was fear. There was great fear of who are we going to find and how are we going to trust them and how are we going to do all these things? And it, it, it's a big step for many entrepreneurs, especially when you've been doing everything yourself for over a decade, right? You built it from a, hey, hobby kind of thing to this incredible wood-fired pizza and great cocktails, catering beyond belief. You know, I've had the pleasure of my daughter goes to school nearby you is actually sitting in your restaurant and eating. And the, I'm telling you, food is fantastic. The, the, the atmosphere is really, I mean, it just feels really comfortable. So it's a great business. It's really hard to give that up when you, it's your baby, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's life like now? It, you opened up, increased your sales, even though there's still the challenge. Like if you, during COVID, you still got hit. I mean, it wasn't, you got revenue because you created more revenue streams, meaning lunch and a Monday. Yeah. You hired a, and we're not talking an inexpensive general manager. It was a, you stepped up and said, hey, we can pay for this as we go through the budget and what have you. Yeah. So what are the major changes? What's life like? Time off, financial, uh, headaches. What's it like now? Well, gosh, honestly, I can't, you, like we, I don't think you can put a dollar amount on how nice it is to talk to one person and like know that she's going to get stuff done. So I don't have, I mean, I follow up with her, but like in general, she is just, a, she has amazing follow through. And just knowing that like, she's going to take care of it. Like the only conversation I need to have that week is with my GM, pour into her. And then the rest just kind of flows through the company. Like she's the domino. Um, that's like, that's probably the biggest. <laughs> what about time for you guys? You, because you live like across the street from the darn restaurant. So it yeah. can, it can tend to call you in like a siren. What's life like now? Because you got two well, small kids, growing family. What, what's it yeah. like? Okay. So here's a perfect example. We just did a, a fundraiser on a 
Monday night and um, we don't, we, it was something, a, a new type of fundraiser for us. And, I, and at a certain point I was kind of like looking at like pre-orders happening and things like that. And I was like, Oh, three, this might be really a busy day. Like, mm -hmm. Holy cow. And I, I was like getting antsy, like in the past of like, uh, should I do call her? Us? Are you yeah. gonna need us? Like, I can, I'm an awesome pizza maker. You know, like I'll do it. You know, I'll get pumped. You know, but yeah. I called up Angela and I was like, "Hey, what's going on? Do you need some help? Are you sure you guys got this under control?" They had it under control. They crushed the day. There's, it was, it was like wow. And I was able to go about my regular work day, which we are, you know, we have a, a very regimented day of like what we're doing to make sure we're getting things done. So it was, we were able to keep on on task as opposed to putting out every fire what we're used to doing from the past life of not being as organized as, as business owners. So stre stress levels are way down? Yes. Oh, yeah. More patient and, with, and with the not. kids, and you got two small kids. They got energy, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, I feel more fulfilled because it's like, you know, it gets mundane doing the same thing over and over again. It's very cool when you see – the possibilities kind of like what I mentioned earlier, just like, wow, this is what we're working towards now. There's, and we're actually have time to do it now. That time is everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's just awesome. So, it's, well, and I don't think like if we were to write our job description, it would be put out the fire, make sure that like that, that day is staffed for that fundraiser. Like that's not where our sweet spot is. I don't think that that's like what we're meant to do. Um, and I think everybody else in the business we're realizing is counting on us to do like bigger things. Cause like if we, if we could do anything, open up more locations, Angela would be the regional manager. 1000%. I love Angela. I want to pull her up with us and like, then everybody else gets pulled up. So it's like, we have no business taking other people's jobs and tasks from them. Like if they can do them usually better than us, like leave it to them. We're going to do what we're good at, which is growing the company and then that's going to leave some voids where everybody can grow with, you know? Uh, well, as an entrepreneur, that is probably one of the biggest lessons that the hardest lesson for us to do that when we realize other people can do certain areas of our, our business better than we can, because we look at everything at the same time. They can just, yeah. you just focus on food costs. You just focus on poor costs. You just focus on labor costs where yeah. you're like paying bills and you got workers comp and what's happening with COVID and the restrictions. And it's so much, it's like, wow, when you get there, but it's a big step to get there. Um, here are the kids in the background. Like I said, they're, <laughs> they're terrorists. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I mean, I, they're being babysat. There is a babysitter. Up well, there. you know, we've got, we've, we've got you hidden in your, in your newly ready modeling, remodeled basement. You're in the process there just to hide. So that's all. Yeah. Cause this uh, is where the internet is best. Yeah. No, no worries. No, this open stuff is not a new design trend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have an open concept restaurant. Now we want to live that way. Yeah, exactly. uh, let me ask you this. Uh, if somebody were trying to figure out, hey, do I, do I invest in working with David Scott Peters and, and my programs and what I have to offer, what would you tell them? Um, I would say be if you are going to do it, you have to be open to learning and you have to be like, I'm ready to invest because it's not a small investment and I wouldn't say take it lightly. Um, but like, Absolutely. I mean, it, like I wouldn't even, it's almost like the in-betweens of the, of the program have been 
the most pivotal for us. And I'm sure there are in-betweens for everyone in the program. These little like subtle mindset shifts or, oh, I can do that. Or, oh, I don't have to do that. Like more so than just like learning how to put a food cost system in place. Those have been the most pivotal for me. And that's not like part of the program, but it's part of the program, you know? Um, and so absolutely. But you have to be open to learning, doing the systems, as you say. Um, yeah. And just making, making like the full investment, including your time. Like you can't, can't mess around with it. <laughs> oh, I think it's great because I tell people really the program now, the way we work things, it's, it's really about transforming your life. Because mm -hmm. what I discovered for, for decades, I'm like, hey, prime costs, food costs, labor costs, let's lower those things. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if you don't have a life. If we get you a life, you're making money. Right? You've got people yeah. in place. You've got the ability to leave your restaurant and so on. And, and, it, and that was a big epiphany for me. So to see you guys go through that transformation, because again, you met me when I was doing that, right? Money, 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 money. And then we re-met when the message changed. And that's when you're blossoming in your business, which is just unbelievable. The other part is I don't do the work you do. And that's where you invest mm -hmm. in yourself. And that's where I appreciate where you say, you know, it's not a small investment. It's an investment in time, money, and mindset. Like you've got to make mm -hmm. a change. If you're not ready, then I'm the wrong person because aren't I sweet on the, yeah. when we do zoom calls, <laughs> just so sweet. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, sweet. definitely. <laughs> Man, I, I, I appreciate you guys doing this with me today. And I, and I hope everybody listening can see that, that you can really take your idea. You know, we didn't spend a lot of time about your passion for hospitality and we didn't take, you know, the passion for developing people and giving back to community, all those things that grew your business from a hobby to literally a rock star business in your area. And now we're looking at multiple locations. You are, I should say. If there was one thing that we didn't talk about or you wanted to share with anybody that's listening to us, what would that be before we go? I'd say just continue to, to search out the proper education for you because everybody goes through their own life differently. And I think you should talk to people who are, you know, who've done it before. Like one person we talked to about, Hey, how's David? How's DSB? You know, as a coach, um, Mark Link owns uncle Bub's a barbecue place by us. And we respect him big time as a restaurant tour. And he's like, no doubt about it, Jonathan, you go ahead and do that. That's a good move. So that I'd say what I learned, you know, going back to me being a poor student, like I found out that I, my, the best way I learn is audible, you know, listening to things. So, you know, my, my audible list on my phone is 62 titles right now. And I wow. have some great books, you know, it's like, um, one we've read recently that was awesome was the millionaire fast lane by MJ DeMarco. We bought our building because we kind of bought into the um, rich dad, poor dad book about, you know, how that philosophy of life of, you know, owning things and buildings like that. And uh, any books that you read? That yeah, I think something that's really helping us recently, we read the book a while ago, The One Thing, um, but it asks a clarifying question. That's um, what's one thing you can do such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary. And when we sat back and we were looking at all the projects we had to do and all the systems we had to put in place with you and like you were telling us in general, owners can't do all this stuff. Like, ha ha. <laughs> like, I know you keep trying, but like, 
And we were just like beating our heads against the wall. We're like, we thought we were good at this, but we can't do it. We kept embarrassing ourselves, coming back to you, reporting back, like, nope, didn't do our homework. When we sat back and asked that question, which I ask a lot now in all areas of life, we were like, what's the one thing we can do that would make all of this easier and necessary? And then it was, oh, hire a GM, duh. And it's like, that has made everything easier. And then now moving forward, if we keep asking those questions, it's like, okay, well, what would, what would, you know, if we're paying her a lot and we have this big team, like what would make all that easier or unnecessary? Oh, maybe we're expanding, we're growing, we're hiring other key team members that'll support Angela. And, you know, so um, that book has been transformational. We did a really awesome goal setting retreat with them. And, and honestly, one last thing about, you know, we heard Gary Keller say something is that the biggest, one of the biggest problems entrepreneurs have it, when setting goals is not shooting high enough. Yeah. And I finally feel like we're at a point now in our journey of entrepreneurship where we have enough of foundation in certain places with help from you and other things we've done along the way where it's like, all right, now we can legitimately start making these goals and start attacking them. And it's really exciting. Pumps well, me up. What's really neat is to listen to you guys and you say, okay, well, weren't necessarily meant for college. Didn't want that. Didn't enjoy school. You're in the school of hard knocks, but you also realize there is knowledge out there. Instead of a, a, a rote criteria, you say, this is what I need. You go find it. And what's amazing about it is, you know, I always talk about my dad's phrase was ideas are cheap. It's the people who put them into action are priceless, right? Take action is what we need to do. And you live that because think about it. Everything you just said, a librarian should be a millionaire, multimillionaire. All that knowledge is right around that person. Right? Doesn't matter that you go get the knowledge. It's what you do with it. And that's the magic. That's why I love you guys to death is because like you said, you're decisive. You make a decision and you freaking go for it. You understand some, you're going to lose some, you're going to win some, but you go for it. And that, that's the amazing part. So I, I love the quotes. I love the books. I'm going to be writing those down. I've got a couple that now I got to put on my list. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And I can't wait to see what, uh, 2021 brings you. Oh man. Absolutely. Thanks dude. (laughs) Thanks David. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I want to thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I want to give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing. Be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.